about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, well, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning, basically, because God spoke to me and told me to do something. We haven't did it in a long time, but he uh, mentioned to me about doing an impartation service. Since that is really the uh, calling of myself and of TCVC and everything else, so we're going to teach the word step by step by step, and then we're going to... Uh, Allow God to be God and the Holy Ghost to be the ghost and all those good things, praise God. You know, we've been talking about the anointing. We talked about walking in the ways of God. And we've talked about you being created with everything that you need, praise God. So take your Bibles this morning. Just go to Colossians chapter 1. This scripture is basically the crux of TCVC and basically the main thing behind the ministry that God has called me to and anointed me to do. So Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 25, Paul says, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. How many know that's everybody's ministry? Verse 26, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now, say now, now. notice now is being made known or revealed to his saints. Now, who are his saints? Are you his saints? Yes. Notice you don't have to wait, die 40 years and then be canonized to be a saint. The day you got born of the kingdom of God, you became a saint at that time. So notice he wants to reveal this mystery to the saints. Look at verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ever since basically I got in the ministry and even before, God spoke to me and he wanted people to understand that there was a mystery that was still a mystery to most of the church. And most of the churches yet, it's still a mystery to them. But God is trying to reveal it to the saints, to the people who are born again, to understand that the greatest thing that God ever did was make you righteous and put Christ or the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Christ lives in you. It's still a mystery to some people, but it should not be a mystery to you if you've been around this church very long. But I want to extend on that mystery and just show you what that mystery has meant to me and to people who basically have the mystery. How many know mysteries to be discovered? There was one show I watched one time, what's it called? Unsolved Mysteries dumbest show I've ever seen in my life. Watched the whole thing get to the end, and they still didn't solve the stupid mystery. I thought, what was I doing? But this mystery has been solved, thank God. And why is it just now, and now does he want to do it? Because in the Old Testament, it was not available to people back then for the Spirit of God to come live on the inside of them, because they'd not been born again and made the righteousness of God in Christ, right, in line with God, so that the Spirit of God could once again dwell in them. All right, go to Romans chapter 8.
All right, Romans chapter 8, look at verse 9. It says, But you are not in the flesh, thank God, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is what? None of him. So notice this, this is what separates you from everybody else out there who is not born again. What's the difference? I have the Spirit of God dwelling in me, and people out there don't have the Spirit of God dwelling in them if they're not born again in the kingdom of God. So the biggest difference in you is the Spirit of God who is now on the inside of you. So your difference is not just I was born again. It's not just because I belong to Treasure Coast Victory Center. It's not because I'm trying to be different. It's not because I yell hallelujah. The difference is you is that the Spirit of the living God dwells on the inside of you. And of course, not everybody has that Spirit, do they? And there's a lot in the church who have that spirit, but don't know they have that spirit, so they're not taking advantage of that spirit that they already have, praise God. So notice the difference is the spirit of God lives in you. You can call it the anointing in you. You can call it the power of God in you. And the power of God is where this morning? It's in you. Look at verse 11. But if the spirit of him, well, we can take that if out of there, can't we? But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you, praise God. Glory. This is going to get tough. I can feel it coming. All right, here's talking about the spirit of God. But not only the spirit of God, but he's the same spirit that raised Christ from the... Notice, he's not the same spirit that healed Jesus of a cold... He's not the same spirit that overcame his hangover when he needed it done. No, basically what he did, basically he raised him from the dead. How many of you know that's about as bad as you can get? So the spirit of power, the anointing, the spirit of God on the inside, what does it do? It basically hey, raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now you've got to understand that the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ, the same spirit now dwells in you. It's not a different spirit. It's not a lesser spirit. It's not an old spirit. It's not a spirit that can't do that anymore. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 17. Paul says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance is in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, well, it's according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in every name that is named. Praise God. Now notice verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? He wants you to understand the exceeding greatness of his power. He just don't want you to understand that the Spirit of God lives in you. He wants you to understand that there's an exceedingly great Spirit anointing and power that lives on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And notice it's the same Spirit that raised who from the dead? 
that raised Christ from the dead, praise God. What's he trying to do? He's praying for them that they would get a clue or understand how powerful this gift is that God gave them on the inside, which is the Spirit of God in them on the inside. And when you read the Bible and you read about Christ being in you, it's easy to say, and Christ lives in me, and he's a hope of glory, and praise God for having Christ. But no, no, it's the same power that was on the inside of Jesus. So Jesus comes along and says, hey, when you get this Holy Ghost, you're going to be able to do the same works that I did. Well, no, we won't. That's Jesus. That was Jesus. Jesus only does those works. Don't you ever say that you can do those things because that was Jesus. And don't put yourself in the same place that Jesus is because that's blasphemy. Praise God. People say you're just raising yourself up. Well, no, he raised me up into heavenly places far above all. Where you're just, bring, you're just bringing him down to earth. No, he came down to earth on his own. Praise God to save me and take care of me and all that kind of stuff. So what's he talking about? He's trying to get us the revelation that we've got the same power and the same anointing on the inside of us and the same spirit of God, praise God, as Jesus did and the same one that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. All right, go to John chapter 7. Excuse me if I get happy, but this stuff makes me happy. When you start focusing on who's in you and the power that's in you, all them little piddly things that have been pecking away at you like a woodpecker your whole life. When you find out that greater is he is in you than he is in anything else in the world, praise God, all them little bet-bet-bets are going to go by the wayside and you're going to walk more in the power and the anointing of God than you ever walked in before in your entire life, praise God. All right, John chapter 7. Look at verse 37. And in the last day of that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet what? Now, this is very interesting. Here he's talking about the Spirit. He gives a diagram. He says, out of your belly. Notice, not out of heaven. Not out of your pastor, necessarily. But out of you also shall flow rivers of living water. Now, how many know a river flows? A river takes things with it. A river cleans things out. So he says, the, the, the thing in you, the Spirit of God in you is like a river. Say a river. Notice, it'll flow out. So what's in me, even though it's the Spirit of God, even though it's the Spirit of Christ, even though it's the anointing, what's in me will flow out of me like a river. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It'll flow out. It'll come right out of the inside of you, praise God. It'll come out. Do you have to feel it come out? No, you just got to believe that there's a river on the inside of you, and it will come out of the inside of you whenever it needs to come out of the inside of you. Go to Luke chapter 8. All right, Luke chapter 8, look at verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians, never could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee and say, Who has touched me? And Jesus says, Somebody has touched me because I perceive 
that virtue has gone out of me. Say, out of me. <laughs> so here's Jesus walking along. How many know he might have been full of virtue, which is the anointing, which is the Spirit of God? But the thing was him, he, he was full of virtue all the time. How many know it didn't come and go? He didn't have virtue on Monday, then take Tuesdays off and have virtue Wednesday morning. He had virtue all the time. But here he's walking around and somebody touched him and he knew, even though he's bumping into thousands of people, he knew that something different happened because somebody touched him and drew out of him the river that was already on the inside of him. Are you following me? There's something on the inside of you that when you minister to other people, you will notice when that river is flowing into somebody else. And I'll tell you, the key is back up there where it says, uh, come and thirst. When people are thirsty for change, thirsty for a miracle, thirsty for God, thirsty for anything, when they're thirsty, they grab onto that anointing on the inside of you and they open the door and suck it out of you and it goes out like a river. I mean, if you're ministering to somebody and you just start to talk, it's like your mouth can't catch up with your spirit, man, because you're clear, man. Go on, talk fast. Come on. Why is that? Because what's in you is flowing out of you faster than your natural brain. And I'll tell you what will come out of you, things God wants to say that you wouldn't say if you had time to analyze them. Oh, my God, did I really say that? Sometimes it's say, oh, my God. Why is that? Because there's a flow on the inside, and when you tap into that flow and that virtue, it comes out of the inside of you, and it's based on the other person's faith. It's based on their hunger and thirst. It's based on their desire, but this river was placed in you not only to help you, the spirit within, but now we're talking about the spirit upon which flows out of the inside of you. You've got something in you. What is it? The Spirit of God. What? The anointing. The same thing that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you. That's why it says, lay hands on the sick. Why lay hands on the sick if your hand ain't going to do no good putting it on the sick anyway? What's the point? Praise God. Because there's an anointing in your life. I believe, hallelujah, that my spit is anointed. Come on. Jesus took a blind man outside the city and he spit on the ground and he made himself some mud. Come on. It wasn't the mud that surprised the anointing or caused the anointing. It was the blood that surprised the anointing. So he got the mud and he went in there and wiped it on that guy's eyes, told him. Now, there wasn't nothing in the mud, so there had to be something somewhere and something had to be in the spit that made the mud to begin with. Come on. Are you following me? And he went and washed it off. And what happened? Praise God, he could see just like that. Why is that? Glory to God. Because Jesus knew what he was doing. He was operating the anointing. He knew what was on him. He knew his clothes. Paul did special signs and wonders of miracle by taking off the handkerchiefs when he was working and wiped his sweat off and just sent them out to people. And they got touched by the power of God with a handkerchief. Praise God. Imagine that. In this day and age, you can't even go around people, much less their handkerchiefs. But he was wiping the sweat off, wasn't he? And that anointing apparently was coming out of him. It was in his sweat. And when it got on that thing and he touched people, it basically healed them. Why? Uh, if the power of God will heal somebody off of a handkerchief, the power of God ought to do something for you, living on the inside of you with the river of God that God has already put on the inside of you, praise God. All right, look at verse 48. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. Now notice, he didn't say the virtue made her whole. Why? Because he always had the virtue. It was her faith that drew the virtue out of her that actually healed her. But how many know there had to be some virtue there? And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of virtue thieves out there. 
Your job might be a virtue thief. Your boss might be a virtue thief. All these things are coming against you to let this little gnat flying around that's bothering you get your mind off the power and the anointing that's already on the inside of you that raised Christ from the dead. Praise God. So there's virtue in you. Say, there's virtue. It's in me. Miraculous power. Deutimous power. Miracle working ability is on the inside of me. And it will flow out of me. All right, go back to Luke chapter 6. By Luke chapter 6, look at verse 17. And Jesus came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coasts of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them. Oh, now did he have the same virtue that we have? Does he have the same spirit that we have? Yet people recognized that he had the virtue in him, so they were actually hunting him down to receive that virtue that was in him. Now why did people do that back in those days? Because he believed in the virtue in him, taught about the virtue in him, so that people would understand that he had virtue in him, and they would come to him to receive something for that virtue out of him. Now, I was taught my whole life, you don't have anything. God has all the power. You don't have nothing on the inside of you. Don't you dare tell somebody. You, you make them go to the pastor. How many of you, whenever somebody came to you and needed healing or something, you sent them to me? Oh, nobody. Good. Praise God. I thought, in a, in a good church, glory to God. That's great. No, no. People don't understand because in the old days, the pastor had everything. He had all the revelation. He had all the anointing. He had everything. And if you wanted something done, you had to keep coming to the pastor to get it or have some other way to get it. But notice, that's not what this is for. Everybody has the same spirit. I don't have the pastoral, Holy Ghost, powerful spirit. And you got the lame and weak spirit who's out there crawling around trying to find somebody to do something with. No, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of every born-again believer. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been born again. The same spirit of God is in there and on you. And that virtue will flow out of you and it will touch other people's lives. But the more you believe in it, notice what Jesus preached. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. You preached that five years ago and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. They'd have thrown you out the back door before you went any further in your sermon. Come on. Why is that? Because the devil got in the church with the God is in control and all them other doctrines, praise God. What for? To strip you of your authority, your power, your virtue, and the anointing that God has placed on the inside of you. I'll tell you, he's afraid of the anointing. It's already slapped him down several times, praise God. And he don't want to run into it again. So what does he do? He tries to convince you that you don't have anything. You're just a poor little weakling, just a little human being who can't really do anything. But no, no, you can do everything because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you and he dwells on the inside of you. Hallelujah. All right, go to 1 Kings chapter 17. Can't ignore the Old Testament. All right, this is dealing with the prophet Elijah, 1 Kings 17. 
Look at verse 17. And it came to pass that after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. How many know that might mean he died? Verse 18, And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call sin to my remembrance and slay my son? Look at verse 20. And Elijah replied, cried unto the Lord, said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon this widow? Well, we know he didn't, whom I surjoined by slaying her. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this soul come, child's soul come back into him. And the Lord heard his voice of Elijah and the soul of the child and came into him again. And he did what? Revived. Now notice, here's his prophet. He's coming. He's dealing with this lady. Her son dies. Basically, she blames it on God. He don't know if God did it or not. Finally, he figures out that he probably didn't. So what does he do? He's supposed to do something for this boy. So he laid on him and stretched himself upon the child. Now, why would he do that? If he didn't think he had anything, see, well, was he a child molester? Come on, do you see what I mean? What was he doing? He apparently knew that there was something on him that would help that dead child. Sometimes I think Old Testament people had more common sense than the new church, praise God, right now. He knew that if he stretched himself upon him and the anointing of God was upon him, that it would touch this boy's life and it would raise him up if he asked God. And how many know it worketh? And this was Elijah, praise God. Hallelujah. Old Testament, glory to God. So it worked. All right, go to 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, this is talking about Elijah. How many know Elijah followed Elijah? Followed him everywhere that he went. And when he went up, what did he ask for? He wanted a double portion of the Spirit. How many know that he got the anointing, praise God? He got the Spirit of God on him. All right, 2 Kings chapter 4, look at verse 32. And when Elijah was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon the bed. And he went in therefore shut the door upon them, and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up, and he laid upon the child, and put his mouth upon his mouth, and his eyes upon his eyes, and his hands upon his hands, and he stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked into the house to and fro, and went up and stretched himself upon him, and the child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes. Now, what happened? So here's Elijah. How many think he might have saw Elijah? Thought, well, if it worketh for him, and I got the same spirit as he hath, maybe I'll try this stretch out stuff. Maybe I'll stretch out, see if anything works. See if something takes place. Well, how could it work? Because there's an anointing on him also, probably a double portion of it to raise this one from the bed. He believed it. That's why he went in there and did that stuff. There's a story of, of one of the, of Miss Migglesworth who went and did revivals all over the place. But when he went and did them, you know, back then you didn't stay in hotels. You stayed in people's houses most of the time, widows or whoever. We stayed in this one house with this one lady who had him in the house because her husband was totally against God, Christianity, everything. So he was staying in the house. And of course, when they came, they gave their bedroom because he was a man of God. So they slept in the den or whatever. He got to sleep in the nice big bed in the big bedroom. So he slept in there. He had like a seven night thing. They did the seven night thing, everything. The husband went, went like, what night is this? I hope this is number seven. 
He had that attitude the whole time. So they got done with the thing. He got all dressed, was leaving out the door, and the lady ran out crying to him and said, I wanted to have you here because I wanted my husband to get saved so bad, and that's why I had you here, and that's just what I wanted to do. And he said, no problem. Don't change the sheets. She said, what? Don't change the sheets, he said. Just leave the sheets alone. She said, what's this got to do about the sheets? Just don't change the sheets. So they went to bed that night, about 3 o'clock in the morning. This guy wakes up and said, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you. Save me. Save me. See, there's another person who believed the anointing on him would get on things around you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Sometimes we change the sheets too often. Every time somebody sleeps on, we got to wash the sheets. I mean, I went up to Josh at Amber's, and of course, I got in a spare bedroom. They got two spare bedrooms, but I put a blanket down, and I slept sort of under the sheets, but not all the way under, because I told her at the end, I slept on top all the time, so you don't have to change the sheets before the next person comes. Why? Because I left something in those sheets before I left. And I hope they have one of their friends over and has to stay overnight sometime and wakes up in the middle of the night and says, Jesus, help me. Praise God. Save me. Glory to God. Why is that? Because there's something in us. There's something on us. There's something that will work in our lives or something. But it depends how much you believe in what you've actually got. We take this thing for granted. We hear a sermon and we're all excited about it. And then basically... That's it, praise God. And this anointing in my life has been stirred up by the several anointings. How many know the anointing? I tell you, the anointing is more contagious than COVID. Everybody's afraid of COVID. I'll tell you, you get around anointed people, you ain't going to be able to help yourself. going to be coming from all kinds of places, praise God. So young, when I started the ministry, I wanted to get whatever anybody else had. Do you understand? We were going up to Benny Hinn's, praise God, and when they had a chance to go down front, of course, we were always upstairs because we weren't prominent people. We had to fight our way down to get to the stage. we get there two hours before everybody, but everything was roped off when we got there anyway, and we had to go upside and... But I'd get there. What that one hand's laid on me. I was in Rodney meetings all the time. We'd drive all over getting Rodney. Why? I wanted what he had. Amen. Praise God. I wanted some of what he had because the anointing's not going to fall out of the sky anymore. Do you understand? Peter said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. Not some of that, not part of that, not in a portion of that. This is that, and this spirit will be passed then upon other people. So every anointing basically that rises on the inside of you that you add to comes from someone else, do you understand, that passes that anointing on you. So there's, there's a little bit of Benny Hinn anointing on me. There's a little bit of Rodney anointing. For a while, every time I taught, everybody laughed and fell out. Where did that come from? I never had that before. It came from being in Rodney's meeting and me laughing and falling out all the time. Do you see what I mean? What was that? The joy of the Lord, praise God. How many know in the church people need joy? We have had the ministry of grape juice and lemon juice for long enough. Just a thought. Why is it, praise God? Because there's something there. There's something when you shake somebody's hand. There's something when you hug somebody. Have you ever hugged somebody who was having an absolute fit? And when you did, they said, oh, my gosh, I feel better. Something changed. Yeah, all in things on, you left, praise God, because I hugged you, and that spirit of anger went out the door, and that criticalness went out the door, and that arguing went out the door, praise God. And you didn't do anything special. You didn't knock them down, had their head spin around 14 times and spit up green stuff, praise God. You just used the anointing that's on you and you basically gave them a little hug and that hug was enough to make them know that God loved them and you loved them and it set them free, see? This is not spooky. It's not all these things. It's just a way of life because that's who we are. We can't help it, praise God. I can't help it. I'm anointed. I can't help it. Nothing I can do about it. When I preach, there's an anointing on it. I can't help it. 
If you don't like it, he gave it to me. Argue with him. See? I can't help it I'm righteous. I can't help it I'm blessed. I can't help it I'm prosperous. I can't help it. He did all those things, praise God. Hallelujah. I had nothing to do with it. I'm just me. And when he said, I want to prosper you, I said, I like that idea. When he said, you're righteous, I say, I like that idea. When he said, you can breach under the power of God, I said, yeah, baby, let's do it if that's what you want to do. Glory to God. I didn't say, oh, no, no, no. I'm being humble. Very humble. I wish I could have the anointing. Well, praise God, you've already got it, but now putting it to work, see? It's there. you got this river just churning in there. I mean, it's good. I love to have couples because I know John's got to let his river loose. And it's a scary thing when you haven't released your river a lot of times. I know that, been through that, been there, done that. But every time you do it, it's going to get easier and it's going to get more of a flow. And it's going to, but you're not going to do it by just hoping to do it sometime. You've got to step out and do it. You understand? You've got to do it. And that's what releases a river. So notice he laid down here. And what happened to the person? The person got up and he was healed. Why? Because he laid on him, praise God. And the power of God was there. All right. Praise God. We're in 2 Kings. Go to 2 Kings 13. This is one of my favorites here. I'm telling you. This is a good one. Glory. Second Kings, you should have already been there, I think. Chapter 13, look at verse 20, 20. And Elijah died, and they buried him. Well, that makes sense. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming of the year. So Elijah died. They buried him. Here came the Moabites, the enemy coming in after him. Verse 21, and it came to pass that as they were burying a man, in other words, somebody got killed. They got killed in the attack. So behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elijah. So here it is. Here it is. Elijah's buried. They're having a war. They're fighting. Somebody gets killed. They want to bury this guy. They start digging, but they're coming after him. So they said, we ain't got time to bury him. So let's just throw him someplace. Let's throw him in the grave of Elijah since it's already there. And when the man was let down and touched the bones, say the bones. Now, how many of you know if he touched the bones? He'd been dead for a while. This wasn't yesterday. Touched the bones of Elijah. And what happened? He what? Revived, praise God. And he stood up on his feet. Now, man, I'd have loved to have been there for this, wouldn't you? Let's just throw this dead man out. Oh, here he goes. He's running faster than we are, praise God. But notice, Elijah wasn't praying in the Holy Ghost. He wasn't laying his hands on anybody. He was dead. But that anointing got into his... Feels like fire shut up in my bones. It feels like fire shut up in my bones. The Holy Ghost is fire and he is my heart's desire. It feels like fire shut up in my bones. It does, praise God. So there was fire in this guy's bones. They threw him down in there, raised him from the dead. Praise God. Hallelujah. We should have took Smith Wigglesworth, buried him someplace, and everybody died. Just threw him in on top of him. That's right. Restore your life for $1,000. Up you go. Thank you. Up you go. Thank you. Hey, praise God. Ministry and business go together. Glory to God. All right, go to Numbers chapter 11. There's power in you this morning. There's anointing in you this morning. There's glory in you this morning. And the world's only seen a little smidgen of it so far. All right, Numbers, I tell you, chapter 11. We'll back up a little bit just to get the gist of this. This is Moses, verse 14. 
Moses, the head of all these people, said, I'm not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me. I pray thee out of thy hand if I have found favor in thy sight. Welcome to the ministry. What was he? He was ahead of all these millions of people, man. He had to take care of all these millions of people. And there was a lot of pressure on him to do it. There's a lot of things to do. And finally he said, Lord, just kill me. It'll be easier. Just kill me and get me out of here. Praise God. All right, look at the next verse. Verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand with thee and with you. How many of you know we're one body, along with all the other bodies, and we've all got something to do, don't we? It's not just the ministers, it's not just the pastors, it's not just the bishops or whatever else they want to call themselves. It's the people involved. Every person has the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 17. And I will come down and talk with thee, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee and I will put it upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee and thou bear it not thyself alone. So notice, by the impartation of the anointing of my life to you is not only for your benefit, it's for me so I don't have to pray, kill me. (laughs) Come on, are you following me? I don't have to pray that prayer because I got other people doing, other people taking meals. I got other people ministering other places. I got other people doing it because I can't do all that stuff. How many of you know that? Somebody's got a problem in church, they may go to you instead of me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. What is it? That's what it's all about. But if you don't train your people up, if you don't show them the power they got, you don't show the anointing, and they're not going to help anybody anyway, and it all comes back to me. So the more you grow up, the better it is for me. Praise God. So this will be a selfish impartation this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the anointing on your life grows a little bit at a time, a little bit more at a time, a little bit more at a time, a little bit more beneficial. I'm going to do just an illustration before we start here. The camera's not going to follow me. Don't worry about it. Just leave it go. When we first moved into this building, and for some reason, I don't know why, but the leaves always blow around here, and they get around the front and everything. So when I get here early in the morning, I'd go out and I'd sweep them, because I knew everybody was coming. I wanted it real nice for everybody, so I'd go front, and I'd sweep the whole front, and by the time I got in, I'd be all sweaty and, and everything else, but I mean, you know, the sidewalk, which you never looked at and appreciated at all, was completely done. It was completely nice, so... So a little bit after that, the anointing increased <laughs> because we got this blower. I mean, forget that thing, man. This thing works better. So we got this thing, and it blows not real hard. You got to get right down there, you know, and you get about halfway down. It goes, because the battery wasn't enough to do it. But at least I got half there and half there. I was increasing. I was getting better. Do you see? Things were looking up for me.